Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com. Come on, God, have your way today. Touch hearts, move in people's situations, we pray. I'm going to share God's Word today. It's my great honour. I'll I'll share for about 25 minutes and then we're going to have a response worship song and then we're going to hang out and have some chats in the foyer. Let me start with God's Word, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites and some of the Menunites there's a really uh, funny, I think it's funny, dad joke that every preacher uses at this point. And I said, I wasn't going to do it, but I'm just such a dad boomer. I've got to do it. There was the parasites and all the other termites. So bad. <laughs> they came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. And some people came and told Jeho- Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already at Hazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to see them. We see this story. It's a powerful story. I pray you read it on your own time this week, found in two Chronicles chapter 20, it's, it's, it's an amazing story of deliverance that God rescued His people of Israel. And we see that there is a battle going on. This was common in the days of the Old Testament that the neighbouring armies and tribes and people groups would be battling against God's people formed with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, what we call the children of Israel. And today... We see the Old Testament is mirrored into the New Testament, that there is a battle going on for you and I. Christianity is actually a battleground. It's not just a lifestyle or a religion. It's actually a war. It's a battle. And we see there were three enemies coming against the children of Israel, the the tribe of Judah. And there's three enemies that come against us as Christians, as followers of Christ. The first one is found in Romans 8, 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God that never did obey God's laws and never will. One of the uh, battles or the enemies we face as Christians is our flesh. If you're kind of new to church, we're all born with this thing called sin. And Jesus came to rescue us and forgive us so that we could be changed and forgiven, but we still have this sin nature in us. It didn't disappear. It's still here. We're born again. We become followers of Christ, but we've still got the old ways that we're having to deal with. I call these internal battles. These are anxiety and depression, wrong thinking. It could be battles of addiction or lust or pride or envy or gluttony. or It's just these issues internally. It's called the flesh. The second area that we see in Scripture that we battle is the world. So in John 16, 33, the world, you'll have tribulation. 
Take heart, I've overcome the world, Jesus says. I call these external battles. These are situations we can't control. Stuff just happens. The car breaks down. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, we, we, our bodies are ageing. Um, there's just dysfunction. There's people, there's circumstances. There's a decaying world, a broken world. And externally, we have these battles and these things that come against us. And then finally, the, the third area that the Bible talks about that we battle against um, is found in 1 Peter 5.8. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Our, our third enemy is Satan. And when Satan was cast out of heaven, a third of the angels went. So there is this demonic force and demonic powers. It's spiritual that we wage war against. We don't realise this sometimes. We just go through life thinking, woe is me, or what's going on, or how come things are happening? There's a battle. It's, it's going on. As Christians, we need to understand this battle so we can wage war correctly. And this is what I call not an internal, not an external. This is a spiritual battle. Now, as Christians, we can't be possessed. We have Jesus Christ residing in us. The Holy Spirit fills us. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. But we can be oppressed. There can be spiritual forces that work against us. There can be sort of influences. There can be temptations. There can be spiritual attacks. And so it's really important we understand that as Christians, we're fighting these battles on these three fronts. So what do we do? How do we overcome these battles from the enemies. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 21. Let's see what Jehoshaphat did. He appointed men to sing <laughs> to the Lord and to praise Him for the, the splendour of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. So he goes to battle. We'll study more of this in the text today. But he sends the worship team out on the front row. He sends them out to sing and to play and to lead the way. So in the Old Testament, uh, when Israelites went to battle, they would send Judah first, one of the 12 tribes. And Judah's meaning is praise. And sending Judah first symbolises praise leads the way in battle. And so they would also send singers and musicians and harpists and drummers and, and people who would actually praise the Lord in worship on the front lines. Well, why did they do that? Worship was a strategy of warfare in the Old Testament. And it's the same for us today. I didn't know that. I didn't know. Does that mean I've got to be on the worship team? No, no. That means that worship is this great tool that God uses us to sing and to praise that can actually war on our behalf against those enemies. It's very powerful, but sometimes we don't give it the credit. We think it's just for those good looking people, you know, who can play an instrument. And, and we, we don't think we're not musically minded. So worship doesn't involve us. This series that we're doing today, of worship, a four-week series we started last week, is all about understanding the power of worship in our lives everywhere, every day. That God wants to take our level of worship to another level. 
Now you can worship God with your finances. You can give to God and worship Him. And I thank God for those who faithfully give. Here at Elevation, you, you give of your finances. That's an act of worship. You can worship with your work. That's ministry. As you worship and, and work, you can worship with your time. I'm specifically talking about praise, songs, uh, singing, clapping, raising hands, singing to God on Sundays and also during the week. This is a powerful area that I feel all of us as believers need to go to another level. And here's why I, 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 I'm, pray, I'm praying and believing for this. When we started the year, one of our two goals for elevation was encountering God and relationship with others. Encountering God and community. So everything we're doing, we're filtering through. Are we encountering God? Are our kids encountering God? Is our youth encountering God? Are our young adults encountering God? Are we encountering God? We're not just playing church. Are we encountering the living? Is it real? Is it personal? And we also wanted to go down the path of building deep community, deep relationships with each other that matters. And so we, we sort of said, okay, let's go heart of worship. Let's go worship series later in the year. And we sort of worked towards this, been praying towards this. I believe this is going to be breakthrough in our church. It's going to bring breakthrough in your lives as we take our level of worship to a whole nother level. Last week, I talked about why do we raise our hands? Why do we sing songs? This is a biblical thing. This isn't an elevation or a Pentecostal or a charismatic or something new we just thought up. In the Old Testament, the Hebrews would gather, they would raise their hands in praise they would sing out words of, of, of song in, in, in worship. And in the New Testament church, they did the same. That's why we come and we sing songs. That's why we do this thing. We're actually in warfare. We're worshipping. And I want to unpack a little bit about how worship is actually warfare for us today. Firstly, three things worship does. Number one, worship removes worry. So Jehoshaphat the king, he's freaking out. These enemies have crossed the Red Sea. They're on his doorstep. Oh Lord, our God, verse 12, won't you stop them? We are powerless against these mighty armies that is about to attack us. We, we don't know what to do, but, but we're looking for your help. We, we, we're not made to fight our battles alone. We're not designed to carry our problems alone. We're not designed to wage war against these three enemies alone. God never intended us to do this alone. One of the ways we remove worry, it's when we do it ourselves, is to worship because it puts our eyes and our affections on God. Psalms 121 verse 1, I'll lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come from? My help comes from who? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Worship takes your eyes off your problems and it puts your eyes onto your great God. Worship allows you to sing words of faith, words of truth, words and lyrics that come from Scriptures. You sing it out over your family, over your life. If you feel overwhelmed often, could it be you're not worshipping often enough? If you're feeling tired and worn out with these battles that we go through from the fight, worship takes you from the natural to the supernatural. Worship takes you from your current physical abilities and allows God to work on your behalf because you can't fight a spiritual enemy with natural weapons. 
You can't will it with your mind. You can't fight the enemy just with your work ethic. We have to tap into the supernatural power that's available through our God and worship releases that in our lives. Our our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers and powers of darkness. Worship removes worry. When you're in the car, putting on a worship CD, when you're in church singing, when you're on your own uh, in the office, pray, worship removes worry. Worship helps you look to God. Worship removes the worry and says, God, would you move? Would you fi-? So often I as a pastor, I say, God, would you help me? Would you help me preach? You know, would you help me, help me lead? Help me be a better father to my five kids. Help me not kill one of those five kids because then I'd lose my job. Just help me, God. I, they're, they're young adults and, and, and you know, I can't. They just won't pay board. Look, all I ask, 60 bucks. That's all I charge, 60 bucks. Like, it's not that much, right? I end up paying far more when I take them out to a chicken palmy or I, you know, I pay their fuel and I'm paying more than 60 bucks that they won't pay their 60 bucks. So principle, anyway, just venting. So if, if I just, you know, if it's all about me and, and my ability and my strength, and I, but, but, but when I worship, I say, God, I, I, I don't ask God to help me. I say, God, I need to keep my eyes on you. Don't, rather than just say, God, would you help me preach better? I'm saying, God, God, help me keep my eyes on you. Help me hear your voice. Help me, help me see you. Help me look to you. Help me lift you up. Worship changes everything. Number one, worship removes worry. Number two, worship establishes leadership. Who is leading in your battles? Is it you or God? Who's leading the battles from these enemies? Are you leading or is God leading? Are you fighting it? Or are you allowing God to fight it? Verse 13, all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children. I love this. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jazel. Jahazel. Jahazel. Jahaziel. Don't name your kid Jahaziel. We'll never pronounce it in child dedications. Son of Zechariah. Uh, He said, listen to all the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is what? The battle is not yours. But it's got so often we think all these battles are ours. God's trying to help us say they're not yours, they're mine. When I worship the Lord, I establish His leadership over my life. When I worship the Lord, I'm submitting to His plans for me. When I worship Him, I'm declaring my allegiance to Him. When I worship, my faith is being built for the fight. Uh, Yesterday, Bonnie talked to the women and she had a great women's gathering. I'm not sure if we have a photo here, but over 100 women gathered and she talked about worshipping in spirit and truth. It was really beautiful. And my daughter got to share her testimony. Uh, But I actually want to talk to the men today. And last week I talked to the men and and I explained if you weren't here, um, firstly, if you're a man, just raise your hand. Let's get that sorted out. Men, raise your hand. Okay, we're good with that. Uh, Men, God designed you, right? God made you. You were knitted together in your mother's womb. He made you. And He actually made you to worship. The Bible says clearly you were made to worship. So the most manliest thing we can do on planet earth is worship. It's the most gutsiest, most courageous, most powerful thing we can do as men is is, is to worship. And we shared that last week. I want to take it up a notch. Uh, God, we were also, God created man to lead spiritually. Yeah. 
to lead our households. And uh, God designed you to lead your family. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is also the head of the church. He himself being the saviour of the body. So to lead, we must learn to submit. Who do we submit to? Our God, Christ. And that's where worship comes in. Worship, it's warfare. Men, it's 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 leading the way spiritually. Worship isn't just something for our spouses or our kids. Worship is something we take charge of. Worship is something we lead the way in. Men, your families need to see you worshiping. The families need to see you singing. They need to see you raising your hands in honoring of our God. Don't 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 let the women outworship the men. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, don't leave me hanging up here on my own. Those women were crazy yesterday in this women's gathering. But men, we need to, we need to lead the way in, in worship. And too often I see families, the mum and the kids might be worshipping and the dad's just sort of sitting there. Men, let's be proactive in worship. Let's be passionate in our worship. If you can't worship Jesus in here, how on earth are we going to stand up for Jesus out there? And this is a safe place. We're, we're, you know, we're not judging you. We're, we're not critical of you. But we want to inspire you. We want to challenge you. It's the most manliest thing you can do is worship. It's, it's tough. It's powerful. It's courageous. And men, there's greatness in you. And there is a warrior in you. And, and God will draw that out of you when you worship. It's not weak. It's not passive. Worship is aggressive. Worship is taking a stance. Worship is pushing forward. Worship is declaring words of power from Scripture. Worship, when you sing songs and you learn the words and you pray them over your family, that's warfare. Men, let's go to war. Let's go to war for our families. Let's go to war for our spouses. Let's go to war for our children. That's our role is to war for our children's future. We do that through worship. Worship removes worry. Worship establishes leadership. And finally, we worship to remind us that the battle belongs to the Lord. So we see in verse 16, tomorrow go down against them, God says, and behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz and you'll find them at the end of the valley in the front of the wilderness of Jurel. You will not fight in this. But this amazes me. Because everything in life says work harder, get up earlier, do more. And here God says, you need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them for the Lord is with you. The battle is the Lord's, but the people were commanded to march out. So although the battle's the Lord, doesn't mean we're passive and we sit back and let Him do it all. The battle is the Lord's, but we be obedient to what He calls us to do. And we were designed to worship and we're called to worship that releases His power into our situations and into our lives. Uh, if we hang on to our troubles and we hang on to our battles, instead of giving them to the Lord, we're not releasing God to do what He wants to do. So often we hold on and try and do it ourselves rather than release it to our God. Instead of feeling sorry for yourself, start declaring who God is. In, in, instead of being passive, start worshipping like never before. If you've got challenges at work, man, put the kids to bed. 
get in that media room, turn the music up, start singing Shout to the Lord or something. Start finding a playlist, start singing a song. Man, get, get, get bold, get passionate, let the neighbours hear. Let them call the police because they think there's a fight going on. But ah, oh, cops, I'm just singing. I'm singing to the Lord. Get, let them see you singing in your underwear. Just sing boldly on your front yard. You know, you've got problems in life, start singing, start worshipping, start declaring. Instead of Googling, start praising. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his head and his face on the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord. What did they do? They were worshipping the Lord. The Levites from the sons of, I don't know how to say that one, but it's a bunch of people that they were their parents, obviously. And, And the sons of someone else that, Korahites. Thank you, Anna. Uh, they stood up, praised the Lord of Israel in a very loud voice. Um, how do you get ready to face your battle? You, you worship. Uh, how, how, how do you do that? You raise your voice. You, you sing songs. You, 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 you get those CDs going. You, you get that playlist happening. Worship scares the enemy. And it encourages your faith. The devil is defeated when you worship. And although the battle is the Lord's, we're still called to worship. We worship. Early in the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Tioka? Tekoa. On the day Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in His prophets and you will what? You'll succeed after consulting the people. And the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Here we go. They're going to battle, singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendour. I read this verse earlier. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. They were singing. They were being grateful. They were declaring His goodness. Uh, Why send the worship team? I wonder if it's because the worship team have this intimacy with God because that's the result of worship. It's not just to win the battle. The real goal is intimacy with your Creator. And having that relationship with Him. And I I want us to be known as a church that we have intimacy with our God. I want us to be known that it's not just the worship team that hear from heaven and write lyrics and worship. I want every one of us to have that intimacy with God where we're singing to Him, we're we're worshipping Him. It's real, it's passionate, it's, it's, it's personal. That we would be a church that would be known from our worship, not just on an album somewhere, but in the voice of every man, woman and child, every kid, every person, that there would be this voice of worship that would come out of every person in this place, that, 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 that we would worship with every bone in our body. That's what the Bible says we should do, that we would worship with everything that's in us. Uh, at Elevation, we want people with a heart of worship. We might not necessarily have the best singers or the best sound gear or the best instruments, but what we will have is passionate, real, down-to-earth people who are intimate with the living God. 
And, and, and that's the driving force for this series, Heart of Worship, that it wouldn't just be a couple of people up here singing on a stage. We all worship for an audience of one. That's our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, our Father God, the Holy Spirit. We, we worship. We're all worshippers. You're all on the worship team. Did you know that? The name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. You're all on the worship team. You're all singing. Do I get to sing this week? Yes, you get to sing. Do, do, I, do I get to sing the worship song? Yes, you get to sing. We're all worship. Now, if, if, if we're not all worshiping, then we all sound terrible because you hear each other. But if we're all singing, we can't hear each other. Happy days. It's all great. Even if you're singing out of tune, if we all worship together, if we sing these lyrics that, that, that are on that screen, you wonder why are the words up there? The words aren't there for the song leaders. The words are for you. So you can follow, so you can actually say the words and sing. And as we sing out loud, something happens in our spirit, we go to war. Something happens in our heart, we build intimacy. There is some power that happens in worship. And God goes to war for you as we close and the music team comes and we respond in worship. Verse 22, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise and the Lord caused the armies of um, Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, what did they see? All they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped them. Imagine you show up at work and there's been this contract that you can't settle. Imagine there is this issue with the boss that won't be resolved. Imagine you've got this pain in your body that won't go away. You've got this niggling argument with a family member and all of a sudden you show up Monday and it's gone by the power of the living God. That's what this Scripture is talking about. And as we go out and worship, God moves on our behalf. King Jehoshaphat, he sent his men out to gather the plunder. He's like, I'm not missing out on all the spoils. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a little some of these freebies. And they found vast amounts of equipment, clothing and other valuables, more than they could carry. They didn't just see their enemy defeated. Suddenly they're blessed more than they ever thought. Thought. And, and there was so much blunder, it took them three days to collect it all. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. And this is called the Valley of Blessing today. Ah, here's what I'm trying to express to you today. There is an enemy. There is three enemies coming against you relentlessly, day in, day out. I don't want to see you losing out in that war. Worship is one of the great weapons God gives us to fight these battles internal with our flesh, external, a decaying and broken world, and the enemy, Satan, our, our spiritual enemy. Warfare through worship takes ground and defeats and results in a blessing. The battle belongs to the Lord, but we have to march out. The battle belongs to the Lord, but we've got to sing out. The battle belongs to the Lord, but we're going to do our part and worship. And men, I want you to lead the way. 
I want us to be a church that we're going to stand up boldly and defend the cause of Christ for our families, for our future. That men, we're going to stand boldly. We're going to raise our hands and we're, who cares what people think? Does it really matter? What matters what God thinks? Men, we're for you. We are with you. Let's lead the way for our spouses and our children. Let our kids see us boldly worshipping our God. Let us see us singing a song in the car. They'll remember that. My boys think I'm crazy half the time. Me speaking in tongues and praying and they don't know what's going on. But one thing they know, this thing with their God, their dad and God is real. That's what your kids want to see in you. Let's all stand. We're going to worship now. We're going to put this message into practice. I want us to raise our hands. Look, I'm not controlling you and you have to raise them a certain way. You can do, you, you can, look, you can do the fish. How big is the fish? It's this big, right? The fish. You can do the TV or the 64 inch. You, you, you can, you can, one finger, you, you can raise, whatever. But it's we're worshipping our God with every bone in our body. We're singing the words that are on the screen that are written from God's Word. We're declaring victory over our family, that the battle belongs to the Lord. We're just doing what He asked, what we were born to do, and that's worship Him. Come on, team, let's worship. Church, let's respond. Let's worship.